there was a point in my life I became so insecure and such a perfectionist and had the imposter syndrome of what other people pleasing, what other people thought about me. And so I would be acting, quote unquote, perfect. The idea of what I thought, how people thought I would be perfect. And I really pulled in the reins of not showing people my silly side. And I would have people in my life, oh, like just show them that side of you. But I was scared to show people like we get so scared to show our gift. And I don't know where that how it happened, but I used to be like really loud and bonkers and wild. Welcome, everybody, to Learn With Lowell. Today, we're joined with Katie Chinakas. She is a Greek-American actress with 20 years of experience. She's been on TV shows like CSI New York, Cold Case, Law & Order, SVU, and has worked with uh, great actors uh, other than herself, like Al Pacino and Nicolas Cage. She's a voice actress and is working on a new project called Cultured Kids. Uh, Katie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lowell. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, I appreciate you taking time out today. But before we were recording, we were talking a little bit about the writer strike, and we we're like, why don't we hit the button and talk about it a little bit? Because as an outsider, uh, I don't understand anything. I see like Disney's CEO Bob Iger who refuses to step down and saying stuff. Um, so what? As an insider who's going through these things, what's it actually like? What's it about? Yes, um, great. So I became a union member um, at the end of two thousand and one. Uh, it was SAG and then uh, SAG and after, um, then there was AFTRA and then they merged. So SAG is TV and film and AFTRA was more radio and um, they merged. And um, so it's SAG AFTRA and SAG AFTRA. A quick note, Uncle Sam wants you to help make this show successful. Subscribe and become a member today. Officially went on strike yesterday, the union strike. So before, you know, you were mentioning the writer strike WGA. So it's the Writer mm. Guild of America. So it's the first time. And I think it was, they said 68 years that both unions have been on strike at the, um, at the mm. same time. So the writer strike started about eight weeks ago and the actor strike started yesterday they're saying it could go through the summer maybe even through the year um but the last time sag screen actors guild sag aftra went on strike was uh in 1980 so so now now that i gave some clarification what was the the you said what's the how is it being in it yeah, what, what's yeah, what's it like being in it? Yeah, I didn't realize there's a, dis a distinction between the two. I thought it was all just like one omnibus type yeah. uh, organization. Yeah, so that's interesting. Yeah, because of how you framed it, I wanted to make sure it was yeah. clear. Because if you don't know, you don't know. You we don't know what we don't know. So yeah. th there's um be because of what happened with uh, streaming services, it really uh, you know pivoted the way the industry is, and so now. Um, basically when you have a show back in the day, there was, there was friends, the TV show friends. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you remember or not, but the, the last season they were going to come back and like each actor, ex Jennifer Aniston, blah, blah, blah. One of them, they were going to get $10 million an episode. Well, those wow. days are long gone. Like uh, it, the, those long series are long gone. They're more like uh limited series now shorter content and then it goes to peacock or uh mm. netflix it goes to uh streaming services and it's exclusively on that so there are stipulations about residuals um and that's how 
um, you know, actors get their their health insurance and other retirement, right? Mm -hmm. And um, to live off the residuals, so it's like passive income from the from the hard earned work that we do. There, that's like dissipating basically, and uh, also with uh, AI. So there's stipulations there. Um, SAG after is not against AI. I love AI. I've been utilizing AI for a few years. So SAG isn't against AI um, because they're hip to technology and evolution, but there's a lot of greed with, um, you know, the other side. And um, right now, from what I've seen and what I've been told, uh, their stocks are down. And so they're wanting to hoard and make more money and pay actors less. So mm -hmm. we're going to, so by the time the new contract comes in 2026, they still want to be giving 2020 payment. And mm -hmm. as life continues, the prices go up. So mm -hmm. you, you can't be giving someone 2020 payment when you're in 2026. It's just unjust and it's not fair. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so they know AI is going to be a big part of it. They don't know how it's going to look exactly because literally with AI and with Web3 technology, whatever happens like in a day is like a month. Whatever happens in a month is like three years in Web3. It's like just mm -hmm. the technology is moving so fast. So no one can really say, but maybe there can be some kind of smart agreement where, you know, they they have some certain deals in place. Um, I haven't seeing the full deck so i'm not equipped with every single bullet point and i'm not an attorney <laughs> but um you know just from an actor and and someone being civil and since i've been in blockchain technology since 2018 like um maybe they in in terms of the ai if the contract is now and then they have to do another one in 2026 maybe there's a term sheet that every time there's an update with the AI, there's a percentage involved or and there's communication for those bumps to be getting bumps and upgraded within the contract. So it's not mm -hmm. like a hard stone contract for three years that mm -hmm. the that the there's a clause that when it comes to the AI bit, you know, as it develops, we develop together and grow together and we all make a piece of the pie. And I think that sounds very fair. So uh, I'm not in litigation, so I'm not sure. Um, and then separately on the writer side, and uh, I'm, you know, I'm a poet, but I'm not like a screenwriter. It's very different. Um, they want to, and I don't know the contracts there either, um, but from what I heard and, and you know, from what people are saying, um, you know, I've used AI. So you like in my new project, Culture Kids that you mentioned, um, I put a couple prompts, you know, into the AI and it wrote half the script. I mean, it, mm -hmm. it wrote half the script. So I I mean, I love AI in a way for, for me. It's been I've utilized in certain ways. Um, but from what I gather, they're wanting to, you know, use AI for the writers and the writers want bigger writing rooms and um, the they're wanting to, you know, not pay the writers and um, wanting to implement the AI, I think, to, you know, make writers obsolete, right? But you can't ever make writers obsolete. And so, you know, there's there's the writers. And then once you have the writers, sometimes they bring in ghost writers, right? Well, they'll mm -hmm. do a polish or something. 
um, there was a really beautiful article that came out. Uh, I'm going to tell you the, the article right now because it is such a great article uh, by something Flower. One, what's her name? One moment. Uh, Ruth Flowers. She did a, a Fast Company on fastcompany.com. She did a beautiful article, Ruth R-U-T-H Flowers. If you look up her um, article, it's a beautiful article, but she goes into detail. Uh, and these are things I didn't know, right? So there's the casting directors, there's producers, there's writers, there's actors, and and we're kind of one of all the same. So what, what happened is uh, with the writers, they have to like do rewrites and do Zoom calls and they do all this work and they're not getting paid for it mm -hmm. and and like me as an actor i'll i'll um i'll read a script that's 100 pages right and that could take a few hours and then you're doing research that could take 30 minutes to a, a couple of hours depending on what the role is tv um you know film the director watching some projects the tone of the show depending the turnaround time on it and then memorizing being off book and then get paying a coach to uh, read with me paying uh, and then and then sell and then having it be taped like there's all these fees involved and like 10 hours of work let's just cap it at like, mm -hmm. like that for the preparation time that an actor doesn't get paid for at all and so writers do the same thing and they mm -hmm. don't get they don't get paid for their preparation and um, the emails and, and things that they're doing. Right. So in the article, the writer talks about, you know, being able to like bill for the time she spent doing these certain things. And before the pandemic, uh, me as an actor, uh, we would go into the the casting offices. So let's say so there's a difference between studio and, and independent. But let's just say studio for now, for for right now. I would be in L.A. I would go to Warner Brothers. I would, you know, park it on one of the lots and then I would check in with my ID. Um, and then, you know, if it's blazing hot on that black tarp. You're, you know, bringing two pairs of shoes because you want to look really hot for your audition. If you're like, you know, like wearing a, a certain like skirt or something or, you know, wanting to, um, you know, be a certain way. But you're bringing mm -hmm. different shoes. So you're walking along warner brothers uh you know not stomping around in in stilettos and and um and then and then you get there and then you have to cool down and then you, have, you like sign in you go to the bathroom you're like you know preparing yourself and then and then you go in and you have like five minutes or or less and mm -hmm. and it's like all and then you and then you drive you know and then and then and then you go and then and then you do it again it's like this whole process of energy so when that shut down and I was able to do like self videos, how we're doing now for someone like me who, you know, and other people can probably relate who have my, maybe some, you know, insecurity issues or anxiety, you know, did I do good, blah, blah, blah. Like you can do it as many times as you want and then cut, take, but then you're also worrying, you know, the technical aspect, if it was recording or not, and then, mm -hmm. and then editing, and, and getting in the way of like the craft, you know, so you have to like put a different cap on. So the circling back around to what I'm talking about here is when those things happen, the production paid for the casting directors to go into these offices on these lots. 
So now mm. production has cut costs, a lot of costs, because they're not paying for casting mm -hmm. directors in these offices. Yeah, it makes sense. So there's those those costs are are you know have cut tremendously. And now casting directors can travel around, you know, and not have to just stay in LA or New York or a big city wherever they're shooting their project because um you know, they can look at the self tapes on here. Yeah. So I, and I've said this to some people and I, I'll have to like learn more and everything, but for me, it's like, okay, if the production, if the, the, the production hires a casting director and they say, this is the allotted budget. Now they don't need a budget for the offices, mm -hmm. right? They, it, they have a certain budget and then, Within the certain budget, the casting director ideally knows how much time they have to cast each character, how many people they get to see. And I feel as an actor, and I'm not uh, a nominated committee or, or anything like that, but I and I've, I've said this because I've, I've been thinking about it lately, but I'm going to I'm going to tell the union my thought like because the health insurance used to be fifteen thousand dollars a month and now you have to make $25,000. I'm sorry. You used to be 15,000 a year and now you have to make 25,000 a year. And a lot of people, you know, can't pay that. And I, I think mm -hmm. it was like 15% of the union. There's 160 union members. I think 15% of it actually have division one insurance that could pay the 15,000. And now it's uh, 25,000 around. So, or 26,000, 25 or 26. Uh, and so, um, I have an idea is like if the casting director is allotted to see so many uh, union actors, right. And, and the idea of like how the writer said from the article, you know, billing for her time for zoom calls and things like that, that at, for every union audition an actor has for TV or film, they one get a stipend, like something, you know, for their energy and their time that they put and committed and make that a part of the production budget. One and two, they get maybe a point, right? So then when it comes to the insurance time where you have to look at the year's work that you've done that, oh, this person did 300 auditions, but they're missing the insurance by like a thousand or a hundred dollars or $15. Like you use that point system to allocate so they can have insurance, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's just one creative way. So I, I don't know how that would, you know, work, but, um, you know, to balance and, and, and yeah. make it more, um, you know, feasible and I don't know. So we'll, we'll see, but I'm definitely going to uh, put that out there, but, um, yeah, basically in a nutshell, um, you know, one other thing is I do a lot of voiceovers. I do a lot of voiceovers. And my number one thing right now with who I am and where I am in my career is animation, series, TV shows, movies. So, you know, uh, a goal of mine, you know, would be, you know, being on a lead on a, on a series regular animation show while, you know, starting a family of my own because you can be anywhere in the world and mm -hmm. just like podcasting you know it's remote we can be anywhere in the world so it saves a lot of time and energy you know um so so yeah so th those are um some things i was thinking but 
um, that has come to a halt. So yeah. um, the commercial contract, so commercial voiceovers, on-screen commercials, it's it's not the contract. Video games and audiobooks. So I'm I'm doing um, a lead in a new podcast series that I'm recording next week, uh, and I'm acting in it. Um, Alex Keys, she has the keys to the truth, and it's this. Um, she's a podcaster in the scripted series called Blood Forest. And I recorded it last August. It came out last October and it's 10 episodes. And they like the episode, the character, Alex Key so much. They, they reprise the character with three um, episodes. And uh, the, um, the um, script is called Hunt for Red Gold. Three episodes, Alex Keys. I do it next week. It's under the audiobook contract. Or else I wouldn't be able to record mm. it next week. So audiobooks, commercials, music, and um, video games. No, it's it's TV and film for animation, any TV show, and on screen. That's yeah. that's the that's the union. It's uh, I'll stop there because it has a long winded answer. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think you covered the bases really well, though. So it sounds like you guys are getting like writers and actors are being squeezed by both ends. So there's been AI coming in and kind of chipping away at the perceived value of the skills that it takes to do this, the work. And then at the same time, we've had technological advances that has allowed remote work to happen. So the costs have come down. And yet at the same time, you have people like the Bob Iger guy that says, oh, things are really expensive now. The stocks are dipping. We're going to hoard stuff. But you've already cut costs by like 20, 30%. I think most like desks in an office are like $10,000 per desk in an office. And so if you don't, if you no longer have that desk to just do the production of the film, then you have like the filming location instead, or maybe like, a, you know, something over Zoom. But that's a huge cost differences. And the, and the problem is that you as an actor, the writers are not seeing any benefit from that. And uh, the contracts as they sit aren't, um, allowing for the changes that streaming has brought in i think a couple of years ago or a year ago or so like a time is kind of weird and fluid in my head right now but the i think the lady who played black widow she they had uh they changed the deal where they had they went from being like in the theaters to just like streaming but her contract was based on the numbers that you do in the theaters and so she was left out of a lot of money and they were she was trying to renegotiate it but then you know disney just kept saying no and then she had to like sue to get appreciated oh emma stone and, no, the, I remember. Uh, I remember when that uh, happened. Yeah, so it's like it, for her, it's it's okay because she has the lawyers to back herself up. But if everyone's having to fight that battle, it's not fair. So I think it's creating a standard where people are being appreciated, and at the same time accounting for the fact that the costs have dropped a lot, and uh, there's a lot more flexibility, and you know wages need to improve so that you guys can do your work. I think one of the the crazy things for me as an outsider when I hear Scarlett about, Johansson, it was Scarlett. yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. it was in the height of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, it's like, and then you have like these billion dollar corporations that are saying like there's no money there while they are still doing a good job. But, um, so I think it makes sense why there's that disconnect. The companies feel one way, which is basically I want to maximize profits. Um, the, the cost to make things is lower, and there's technology coming in hedging it. And it seems like it's coming out on the actors and actors, uh, and writers' side. Um, which it shouldn't be the case. It should be like everyone working together to go forward because it's a, an industry that is hundred or plus years old. It's very like mature industry that seems to like a, a movie can bomb and it doesn't affect the economy or anything like, cause like everyone still gets paid and whatnot. Um, and then in terms of your objectives for yourself, uh, 
I love animation. I'm surprised that, uh, like, like for instance, the uh, Disney Star Wars, they have like a lot of the animation shows that are better than the live action shows. And I was like, oh, why don't you guys do more, you know, animation stuff? Because um, it's it's really good. Like the things you can explore. It's like uh, people don't notice it. But is there a, a universe or like a a series out there that you'd want to plug into to be in their animate like an animated lead person? Oh, that's a really good question. I mean, it'd be nice to be Wonder Woman or a, a superhero. Uh, I could, yeah. I could vibe with that. Uh, yeah. I mean, gosh, I just, just want it all. You know, you just any, any, any role that comes around. And a lot of times we can't talk about the roles that we audition for. We sign NDAs and we can't disclose. And but I feel so connected to all of them. My team is so great. Vox. I'm with you know one of the top five voiceover agencies in the world and. The, they just get me. I have such a great relationship with them and the projects that they put me out for, they just really like get me. And um, it's, it's so versatile what you can do with, with voiceovers. Um, yeah. So um, they, they send me all sorts of, of, of amazing roles and opportunities. Um, but, and I'm, I'm really cheesy in a way. And I, I like to like do like little boy voices, you know, like boy voices or like 15 year olds, um, like, you know, younger ones. So um, something, something um, that's kind of like happy go lucky would be fun and, and edgy. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so um, yeah, there's so many are flying at my, at my mind right now. Um yeah, but they're they're all they're all great. They're all special special gems. Uh, one thing I would like to um, respond to uh, about what you were saying with the AI again, mm -hmm. um, SAG AFTRA, they're definitely um, not opposed to AI at all, and I love AI for uh, certain things that I've explored thus far. But um, um, I guess the the night before because they what they did was um they brought in a mediator uh from the the government the day before the contract so the contract already expired and then they requested an extension for another i think 12 days and nothing i guess nothing moved much in those 12 days <laughs> and um so the night before the extension, they brought in the U.S., they brought in the federal government. Uh, and the president, Fran Drescher, said if if they were going to bring they they said, OK, but if, if they were going to bring in someone from the government, it should have been weeks ago, like months ago, like, not not the night before when there's a few hours left, because then if they do come to an agreement, they have to talk to us, the members first there's a whole protocol that has to happen. So it wouldn't have been done on time. It would just yeah. kept getting prolonged. But at the the very last minute, the, the night before, uh, the night before, uh, there was a press conference and someone said, oh, uh, they gave you some unanimous, um, amazing opportunity deal and the gentleman responded, who's the negotiator, uh, he said, uh, I didn't read the papers yet, but if you're referencing, so one thing that they said, I'm paraphrasing here, is 
So, you know, when you're watching a TV show or a film and there's background actors. Mm -hmm. So they're wanting like you or me or whoever to come be a background actor. They're wanting to scan you and print you with AI, give you a a one-time fee, and that's it. They want to be able to use your likeliness for an eternity in TV, film, multiple shows, any which way. And that's just rape. That's not fair. No, you can't. Like, here you go. Like, you know, utilize my my look and my talent and in 70 years from now, still utilizing my look and my talent. And you only paid me one time. And mm-hmm. they don't want to give residual income from that. I mean, okay, fine. If they want to scan you, print you, and use you, not I don't like to say use you, but utilize, you know, your your body, your being, your humanity of who you are as a person, then offer some kind of residual income if you want to put this person in different TV shows and movies. Um, because it is a lot to mm-hmm. Bring in 500 actors every show, bring 300 actors in or always bringing in background talent. I mean, I don't do background work, but in the past, you know, it's a part of my profession. So I have and purposefully have. Um, and I mean, craft service is great. Seeing the way a set operates is amazing. Like there are a lot of awesome things about, you know, being on uh, a background actor, but some people, they're just background actors is what they do. They just, they're mm. straight up background actors. They get their pension. They they they're with other background actors. Um, they make a, a good living, and there's so much downtime. Like literally, you're on set for like ten to sixteen hours. There's so much downtime that you can like read a book, multipath, like do other things. Like you can straight up start your own business, like while being on set as a background actor. So mm-hmm. I I understand them wanting to, um, like, be more uh, effective and efficient of not having all these background actors on set, because honestly, I'm going to tell you, like when I was on set doing, you know, some background work and, or just being on set as a principal actor, background actors, sometimes, most of the times don't get treated very well. You know, they don't get treated well. It's like they're a herd, you know, Mm. Um, they're, they're just there as pawns. But you're only as strong as your weakest link and it takes a whole village and and everyone does matter. Um, But there have been situations where, and I've heard some stories, um, you know, they'll they'll just in the cold, freezing cold with heaters under a tent. Uh, I was on this Burger King commercial one time and uh, it was a, it was a SAG. It was like a low, low budget. Burger King. I'm talking Burger King. I don't even know if mm-hmm. they do union stuff anymore because a lot of the jobs like for a long time went non-union. Um, I don't really do commercials. Um, my type really doesn't get hired too much in commercials. Um, but I did this commercial one time when I was uh, in L.A. full time and it was for Burger King. And they're like the the village was outside where everyone was on the uh, the cameras uh, video village seeing what's going on. Um, they had about 50 actors in a tent in the cold outside. It was raining and there were huge electrical wires 
you know, everywhere. And, and all the actors were walking on them. Like they could have gotten electrocuted. Um, the union was called. Someone came out from the union and saw what was going on. And they had to take the actors and put them inside the Burger King, not where they were shooting, but on the other side of Burger King. I mean, that's how bad some people or how thoughtless some people are, um, you know, in in a low budget union commercial. Like, I can't yeah. imagine what happens on non-union sets where the actors aren't protected and the crew and the people aren't protected. Um, you know, it's it's vicious. So, I mean, that's that's one of the you know, great things about having the union to be treated properly and you can report it and someone comes to set immediately or they can shut a production down. Um, but there were no residuals on that. There there were no residuals. The The principal actors uh, got paid um, for that. And there was there was no residuals because it was a low budget waiver. And hmm. and I mean, this is a union commercial. How am yeah. I not going to get paid? uh you know, my residuals, you work so hard to, to book a commercial. It's just, you know, times do change, but you need to treat people well and you need to um, pay people money. You can't just have them um, show up and work for you and think that's okay. It's, it's not, it's, it's unfair. It's, yeah. uh, it's disgusting. Yeah. I, I think I was reading once or a friend of mine knows the person who does the zoom zoom noise. And apparently like the, the money, from that the residuals is how they went to college like the like like it's not all up in the front number that people get it's like the little bit they get paid over time is actually quite significant um which is very surprising to me it's like um as someone on the outside uh hearing these things and knowing that if you get paid once you're not getting the residuals other than just like your whole identity being taken and then if then like i can imagine a scenario where you're like you're competing against uh, like the little like clone the digital clone of yourself or with the ai um for like a part like you're like going up to do like a uh you know like i don't know uh where you went you don't like kind of demonstrate yourself i forget what the term is but um you could like go against your own like little clone in that thing we're like they're like why would i pay you an updated salary because you have more experience now or i could just use this little uh, copy that we have in per perpetuity it just like creates a really terrible uh, incentive structure for what it sounds like but uh, i have a quick question um so learned a new term today what does what is what is uh what does type mean you said like my type does not get commercials what does that mean yeah um well, <sighs> look at me. I, I don't, they, they're like, you know, blue hair, blonde, blonde hair, blue eyes. Like I, what is 2023 right now? I've had yeah. two, it's for July. I've had two commercial auditions. Mm -hmm. Um, cause everything, which is great, you know, uh, inclusivity, diversity, which I'm all for. Um, and I don't watch TV. Um, um, I batch things mostly, but when I'm home with my mom and dad and I look at commercials and, you know, for studying voiceovers, I'll look at commercials, but, um, you know, you see, uh, four women and one's African-American, one's Indian, one's Hispanic. And then, um, and then okay. there's like, and then there's like a gay guy, <laughs> the, the only white guy, the only white guy I see in a, in a commercial is like a, a a gay guy and and they're always making fun of him you know what i'm saying like he's the pun of the joke now um mm. but um i just had this greek american actor on my podcast and 
you know, one of my friends, she's like, yeah, you know, you're white. You're white. I'm like, I really am white. Cause I never identified as like white before I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, okay. White. Yeah. Well, cause you know, I'm European. Um, and she's like, yeah, white, you know, European white. I'm like, but like, you know, um, I'm like you and my skin's like, like you. Right. So I, I always thought I was like more olive. Like, where's the, I did a, I did a, um, recently like a survey thing and, and they had your ethnicity for the very first time. Cause I, like, mm-hmm. normally I would always put other, cause I always thought like, Oh, I'm Greek American. I'm not just like in this box yeah. here, but for the very first time it said, uh, European slash white. So I, I checked that one. Cause I'm like, okay, yeah, I identify with that. Um, yeah, but you know, no, I love, I love commercials, but, um, I've just, for some reason, um, it's just, I, I guess I don't have a very commercial look, uh, mm. like sometimes you're, it's all about how you look, right? Yeah. So, so sometimes they want someone like average looking. So sometimes I'm like, you know, too good looking for a commercial. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Um, okay, I, I, I understand I, it now. I wish I could tell you, but um, no. yeah, I get I it now. To, no, when I first went to LA in at the end of 2001, I used to have four to five commercial auditions a day, like so <laughs> many commercials. But like everything, a lot of things are non-union now. A lot of things are more split now. You know, evolution, things change. But um, even back then, I booked a couple of commercials, but I was never like the commercial queen. Like, yeah. they just didn't book me. Like, I just didn't get booked. But um, a, a lot of people, like my friend Jesse Bergstein, he's like the commercial king. Like, he, they want his type and whatever type that is, you know. Um, but some people just are like a commercial type and mm. they just like fit that bill. And then yeah. I'm not. <laughs> Yeah. Well, well, I think it it sounds like you're more towards the roles where you can actually show your skills, where it's not just like how you look from the commercially people's point of view, um, where it could just be more like you actually can go in and roll up your sleeves and, and do what you're good at. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought I did a really good job in, in my commercial auditions, but I guess there's a certain technique to it. But um, yeah, um, I, I did grow up doing modeling. So um you know, but yeah, I mean, with the voiceovers, I can definitely show off my range and skills. Yeah. And it, it does not matter what I look like because it's just a matter about my choices, the craft, uh, baseline, root, um, how I sound. Um, and and then and then, you know, for for acting on screen, um, you know, I love being goofy and um, I've always mar- marched to the beat of my own drum and there was a point in my life I became so insecure and such a perfectionist and had the imposter syndrome of what other people pleasing, what other people thought about me. And so I would be acting quote unquote, perfect. The idea of what I thought, how people thought I would be perfect. And I really pulled in the reins of not showing people my silly side. And I would have people in my life, Oh, like just show them that side of you. But I was scared to show people like we get so scared to show our gift. And I don't know where that how it happened. But I used to be like really loud and bonkers and wild and, you know, like and and show that. And then some somewhere along the line, I remember a spiritual coach once said someone clip my wings. People come along and they clip your wings um, or like take off like a skillet like over your head to like knock some sense into you and. And then you take away some kind of dream state of who you are and your spirit. 
And so I, I hid that for a while. I, I, it was like kind of a loss of identity, I guess. And, um, and so I'm allowing that through comedy and I've been going, um, you know, since the beginning of the year, I've been going to open mics in New York city and doing comedy and doing improv and just failing and just going and laughing and just telling stories and just finding my own lane and my own language. Like, Matt Reif, like I read an article about Matt Reif, who's from Columbus, Ohio. He's been doing stand up for 15 years now and he couldn't get a special. And from what I was told, there's um, 150 specials that comedians get every three months on the streaming networks. And he couldn't get one. So he created his own lane. He created his own and he put it on YouTube, which he didn't want to do, but he did. And anyways, now he's like the biggest comedian in the world right now. And his 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 uh, show did so well, his his um, tour got sold out. So then he announced a world tour and it sold out like in one day all the way through next year with Matt Reif, R-I-F-E. And I was reading this article about him uh, a few months ago and it was saying how like, um, how he just, how he just, I'm like paraphrasing, but how he marches to the beat of his own drum and he, he like in his own lane doing his own thing. He's not doing what like other, other people are doing. Um, and like when I started doing, when they got me it, managers and um, comedy people, when they got me into comedy, I was like, oh, like you have to memorize lines. I thought it was like improv. I thought you just go up stage and tell jokes. But those things are so rehearsed. But hmm. then people were saying in like early 2000s, like, oh, you're pretty. So you have to be like really funny. And they, they would do all that psychological shit hmm. that really um, messes with with you. Um, it still goes on today, but he actually really had the cahoots to not listen to any of that, to be beautiful as he is and still be really funny. And if I have that kind of security within my own self, you know, and like stuck, stuck to it, I think, um, you know, I could have carved my own lane in that way, but I care too much what other people thought, um, mm. which makes me sad. And so now full circle I'm disconnected from my, you know, emotional trauma. I'm disconnected from my childhood stuff, right? Because that's what you did, right? In early 2000s, you you got up on stage and the best comedians, they talk about pain and they talk about their lives. Not all of it has to be truth, but they they they're they have the courage and bravery to talk about those things and and it makes them very funny and it makes them funny cuz no one else can identify cuz it's their own personal experience which makes stand-up comedians so unique in their own right. And mm -hmm. everyone has a different story to tell. So I was so attached to my Greek heritage and the umbilical cord of my family that I could never get on stage. I'd be too shamed and blamed to talk about anything. Now it's like I'm a whole new person. We, you know, change. And my mom's like, yeah, go ahead. Talk about the family, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I got her approval. I'm like, okay, cool. So like now I can go talk about stuff but I'm not too attached to it like I once was. I can like laugh at myself and make fun of it with the crowd, with the people, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. I've, I've been doing it. Um, not not as consistent as I would like to be, but I'm, I'm, I am out there. I'm, I'm putting myself out there, but, you know, it's important right now with, you know, even before the strike to be out there and put yourself on a stage and make yourself vulnerable because, you really do not know who's watching. It doesn't matter how many likes you have, what goes viral, what doesn't. If you have something to say and want to show something off and you're speaking your own truth, let, unless I get on the stage and do it and make a fool out of myself, 
knowing or not knowing, then no one will ever know. And so, yeah. yeah, And, you know, we, we get older and, and I'm, you know, so we have to remember to remember to play an experiment and not go in like it's a final like Netflix special or something like mm. that and just and, and go in. And I think that principle applies to anything when exploring and creating. Um, but yeah, so I, I really, really enjoyed having the cahoots to get on stage and and be silly in a way consciously, though, like before I was doing it and I was just like young and just like doing it. But now it's like you know, people are watching. And so it's like a whole never, another level of still showing up to do it and not mm-hmm. caring what people say. Yeah, well, well, I think a lot of the stuff you do that you probably, you know, take for granted in the sense of that's difficult. But I imagine myself doing it sounds like really scary. So if I imagine about acting, being like very vulnerable, going up on stage and doing stand up, very vulnerable, like those type of things. It sounds pretty scary. So just going up there and doing it, you know, the acting stuff sounds like, you know, it's, it, you're, you've got the muscle for it. And then, uh, uh, stand up is where you're, you're you're working on the new muscles where you can just be more and more yourself but that stuff sounds really you know intense you know all those eyes on you all those people you know and then um you're kind of you're like telling your own story but at the same time it's kind of like I, I i imagine kind of like jazz where like everyone's like the crowd's a part of the the story too because if they're if like everyone just like stares at you <laughs> it doesn't respond you know i can i can imagine like that's kind of a weird experience like you're telling a joke people just stare at you like you know like sheep or whatever but that's not yeah. fun. but then but when they do respond like i imagine that feels pretty good but like the, the only yeah. thing is like that sounds pretty scary like it takes a lot of bravery to do that type of work and what you're saying right now is why I do it. I yeah. It's like why I have to do it because it's mm-hmm. so vulnerable. It's like the thing that scares me, it's like the thing I want to go for, you know? Yeah. Um, Because to prove to who? To myself? Like, I don't need to prove to myself anymore. But, but, but I know if it's going to be that way, it's something to explore. And so I turn curious. But like, like you, and like, like you just said, everything you just said. And so if I go and I prepare, like no matter how much I prepare material, if you don't know your crowd, you don't know where you're going. So I did a, I was asked to perform uh, in Brooklyn at Secret Poor a few weeks ago. And I said, yes, you know, they, they wrote me and they, they said, will you come perform? And I'm like, yes, you know, they wanted me to come do comedy. And I'm like, I go, well, what's the format? They're like, you know, it's, um, it's open format. So, you know, cause some places are just strict stand up and so before format, I'm like, okay, cool. So I, I prepared some material and then I left some open for like um, interpretation. But when you're in the room, when the live audience, a comic before you might say something that sparks something and you want to build the rapport from the room. So then you mm. compliment or mention the, the thing that was funny. And then that brings another laugh to the crowd. And, you know, I did this bit, bit on broke and billionaire. I have a bit on um, being broke and billionaire. And so I'm like, yo, I started, I'm like, I'm going to, um, and I was closing out my set. Uh, I'm going to slide over to the bees. I'm like, we're in Brooklyn. And everyone's like, yeah. But like, if I was in New Jersey somewhere like maybe or Michigan, like, you know, that, that wouldn't have worked. Right. Um, mm-hmm. but it worked because I was in Brooklyn and, and, yeah. and then it, and then I went into my set. So when you, and it was LGBTQIA plus like, um, pride day. So it was like, you have to be able to read the crowd. So like if I go do a set in Arizona or, you know, in, in Texas, like I have to read the room. So I can't just start doing my my material. I need to like go in. And what I find that works for me, um, this woman, 
she's amazing. She played the queen uh, in Bad, Bad Cinderella. Um, I had her on my podcast and Andrew Lloyd Webber did the Bad Cinderella. And she studied medieval uh, times. And there's this like hill guard woman. And she was this like intuitive and spiritual and the Pope and the people, they uh, allowed her to be um, her and like, you know, leaned into who she was because what she would do is she would say, I'm paraphrasing, but um, I am, we all know that women are the scum of the earth, you know, like we're nothing, blah, 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 blah. We're like itty bitty and, you know, like, and so you kind of just like deflate any expectation or ego that one may be thinking and so like I kind of come on to and I, I like that as an inspiration to come onto the stage and I'm like, yo, like I'm not really a comic. I'm more of a drama. I'm Greek. We created we invented drama, the theatrics. It, it, and I'm like, we're going to set the bar really low here. And and and, you know, like uh, and to get, to have their expectations really low. To kind of like take the hook out. Right. Mm-hmm. So they can loosen up and have a good time. And so yeah. um, I just recently found that works for me. Otherwise, people are looking at me and they come up to me. They're like, you're just so interesting. You sound really interesting. Or like, you know, they're more focused on how I look and how I sound instead of like enjoying the comedy with me and in the story. But if I just kind of shatter that from the beginning and like dismantle myself as like, you know, like, I'm not a comic. I don't know why I'm here, really. You know, and you kind of open it up that way. It mm-hmm. Look, you're laughing. So it kind of like it, it, it breaks the tension. So yeah. uh, it, it were and maybe it breaks the tension for me, too. Um, and it gives me that power to go in full blast. Yeah, it's almost like you're um, like you're sharing the feeling you're having like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm vulnerable right now. And like recognizing that like the audience is seeing it, too. It's, it's weird how often like people things called like radical empathy or something where um you just like if you can label the emotions of what's happening in the moment like people can really respond to it i think it's the desire i imagine it comes from the desire like people want to see what people actually are like versus what people like pretend to be like in their average lives and which is interesting because you know you're an actor so you um like you do you can pre- pretend you can act and do other things but there are like um it does sound like when you are able to just be yourself like there's something cool that comes out from that which I, 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 like know, that. I think it's interesting yeah yeah i'm so, feeling uh, good inside i like that i like that yeah yeah, yeah uh, oh, so oh i do want to share with you i do i i know i uh my comedy coach would not say don't say this and other people will say not say this and that's probably why i'm saying it but mm-hmm. <laughs> um you know you made it when you when you get kicked out when you get banned from a comedy club i've been banned from a comedy club in new york city this comedy club in my mind was like the most respected, coolest, amazing comedy club. However, I found out it's not the, it was, but they sold it. And so it's not the original owners Mm. and the people who were there, it's very clicky and they're blah, 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 whatever. But this is, this is the comedy club that banned me. And I was doing what you were saying. Like I, since I'm an actor and these stories that I tell, so the 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 female host, she didn't like that. And she mm. she she told me she doesn't she has she says, I have a personal issue with you. I don't like your demeanor. And I'm like, I'm not here be, 
for you. Like if Mm -hmm. you have a personal issue with me, you don't like my demeanor. Like she doesn't like my demeanor. She's insulting my, my character, who I am, my stories, like what I talk about. (laughs) It's hilarious. I, um, I did a whole bit on Matt Reif actually how I'm his future ex-wife and, (laughs) and, and he liked the video and, and that's, that's the time she banned me from the club because she, you know what I mean? Cause I was like in people in the crowd, some of them didn't like know who Matt Reif was. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just think it's funny, you know, um, because I think in the, the, the important thing that I, that why I bring it up cause it's funny. And, and the other thing that I bring up is because uh, utilizing my voice and it's a responsibility because do you know, who I am and what I've done. Like, like you said, I've been in the industry for two decades. Like, does this woman know me? No. Did she maybe look me up on social media and cringe and do whatever she wants to do as a human and decide like it's yes or no. And she doesn't like me, whatever. Fine. Whatever you want to do. I don't know how much research one did or not, but the the point is the psychological issues I had, I told you when I first doing stand up and what I heard, and how small it made me feel. And it kept me from doing what I loved. And now we're in 2023. And what have we all been through as a society to shame and blame and take a young woman who has, who has, you know, worked, been around the world and has worked in many uh, areas of their career. There are people on that stage at that club who say that they're depressed and that they want to kill themselves. Like if in their bits, do you understand the, the the importance of mental wellness and what we're all going through um, in many areas and how difficult it is to be cooped up in 2020 and then to come outside and to have the courage just to get back on the stage after all of that? Like, mm-hmm. that, put all that aside. It's it's people don't do that because it takes courage and vulnerability. But then pile on. Uh, George Floyd and all the things in the world and being cooped up inside and people like, you know, being depressed. And, and then you're going to be that way towards me. Like I'm me and I'm strong, but how many other people has she done this to male or female? How many other people who are just getting started in their budding careers because this person's jealous and they're the, 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 the gate of this particular comedy club. And of course there's a lot of other comedy clubs, but, you know, I mean, it's it's the principle. You do not treat people that way. And mm-hmm. and then and then hustle the people that she wasn't even giving them their full five minutes. And she was letting walk ins come because you only can sign up on 12 online. Mm-hmm. Um, and that should be it for the hour. But she would, you know, take the other people that would come in through and take their money and pocket it. And it's like and give people less time and her mm-hmm. take more time. Like, it's just it's unethical and it's wrong. So that's like one of the reasons why I bring it up too. for any, you know, one artist that could be listening and it doesn't have to be stand up. It can apply to anything. If you're going and you're doing something and you're curious and someone's mean to you. Yeah. Go somewhere else. Don't hang around toxic behavior, but also like be okay to don't think it's you. Cause most people inflict a lot of people of emotional abuse. A lot of people think it's them. Did I do something wrong? It, out of sincerity, sincerity. Did I do something wrong? Did I do something? Is something? No, it's it's not you. If it is you, you know, right? But if it, if you if you think it's not, then talk to the manager. Talk to someone. Obviously, you can go somewhere else. But also, like, don't put 
put shame and blame on an individual because someone else is having a bad day and be okay to, you know, be in your power and speak your truth and tell that person to F off. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So yeah, I just, I just don't like, I just don't like seeing this. I mean, this one guy, like when last time I was there, he just kept always talking about how depressed he was and people are going through hard times and you don't have to be kumbaya nice to everyone, but you don't have to be like rude to people. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And I, yeah. I mean, like I said, if they're doing it to me and who am I, I'm no one, you know what I mean? But like, like I've, I've, I've worked in, in the industry for, you know, two decades. So, so yeah, if it's, if it's a newcomer coming along, don't allow people to treat you poorly or if you see them treating other people poorly like make space for them you know Mm -hmm. and i wish i wish someone told me that earlier on in my career too i already was naturally strong but to have that um communication when you just want to do everything right so you don't get they didn't use the word canceled but they use the word cancel now but you know you wanted to be perfect or i wanted to be perfect and do everything right and make everyone happy and make everyone like me um, obviously, you know, we can't, we can't make everyone like us, but yeah, I think I'm clear on that topic. Yeah. I think the, well, I I read about these types of stories where in the creative industries, like there's a lot of people, it's like, you you have to be really vulnerable to do, to be successful. That's what I'm hearing what you're saying. Like when you're vulnerable, you're able to be successful and uh, stand up. And when you have to do acting, that's vulnerable to, you know, be a a different person, like to, you know, have those skills. But so there's, you have to be vulnerable, but then I hear about these stories where, like, there's a lot of people who are, like, really catty and mean to each other. Like, they see someone as a threat. Like, oh, this person, yeah. you know, Katie's really talented. You know, and instead of saying, like, hey, good job, Katie. Like, that's really cool. I'm going to, like, just, like, boost you up a little bit. They'll, they'll like, still say I'm so mean or, like, put you down in that way. Um, I don't know. I don't know how people navigate that. That sounds like, like, it feels like you have to be, like, you can't even have your armor up because they're coming at you when you're trying to be vulnerable at the same time. That sounds it's really difficult. hard. It's yeah. difficult. And it happens nonstop. I just, I can't believe how much it happens. I, yeah. I just, I, I literally like, I did an Instagram story. It was, who is it? Oh God. Who's, who is it on the Instagram story? It's um not Carl Young. It's um Mark Twain. The more I learn about people, the more I like my dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's, it's great that we're, 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 you're bringing up this topic. Um, uh, it, it's, it's really nonstop. You, you have to emotionally, like you have to have your prayers you have to have your meditation, your exercise, uh, your your go-to thing, whatever you do, to be so centered in oak tree with yourself um, expe- in life, not just in entertainment, in any field. Um, but yeah, it's pretty ruthless. And, and be around people who uh, emotionally support you and uplift you. And it doesn't have to be a lot. It can just be a couple. And um you know, as I explore life, I was just, God, this could go in two different directions. So, all right, bear with me. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, as we go through life and where I am now, um, you know, like I said, I, I, I cannot make everyone like me. I, it's just, that's just the way it is. Um, and something happened in December and I secretly retired. I didn't, I didn't announce it. 
you're maybe the second person to know. I didn't, and I'll explain what I mean. I, I retired from the rat race. Tony Robin talks about your blueprint and I have it on audio. It's amazing. Um, and he, he talks about your blueprint and he talks about upgrading your blueprint. And I remember when I first heard it in 2014, I'm like, oh, my little girl dreams. How far have I come? They anchored me to gave me a desire to where I wanted to go. But then you can retire or upgrade your blueprint. So, so I've been aware of that since 2014, but something happened in 2012 or and not 2012. Something happened in, um, uh, um, in December of 2022, where I was in LA for six months. I was going nonstop in the blockchain world, like meeting everyone IRL, like going to all these events. Like I probably went to 120 events. I went to so many events. I was like nonstop. I was so nonstop. I like fainted last October in LA. So I'm, I'm in Art Basel. I'm speaking at Art Basel. Um, there's two events as, as a female, I raise funds for these two events for two different, um, Latin communities. Um, and there are four artists. So I'm an artist, but I'm also a producer. And um, I raise funds for these founders from two Latin communities who are founders to have an event to put a fork in the road for Art Basel with their name on it. And not my name, their name. And it was an event for artists. In mm-hmm. one of the events, I allocated some leftover funds and I made sure all the artists got paid. I premiered culture kids there. I made sure all the artists got paid because the thing is all artists need to get paid. And um, a lot of times these brands and people, they'll be like, oh, like, here's the event. We're going to plaster your art everywhere. We're going to expose your name and sh- let everyone know who you are. And there's going to be money for food and drinks and in the location, but you have to fly here and get your own hotel and, 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 and buy your own food. And, and, and you get the memories and you get photos of the night. No, great. Yeah. But let's, let's as producers. So I did this, let's Mm -hmm. as producers allocate and make it. So there's funds for the artists as well. So they can pay for their expenses or at least take care of the expenses, right? That should be mm-hmm. implemented into the budget. Like hands down, I, it should just be operated that way. Um, so it was, it was, so it was me putting out a lot of energy, me doing all that. I'm very proud of it. I, I did it all because I, I wanted to. Um, and there was two events and there was a lot going on. And when it comes to money and events, you see how people are and the way and, you know, some people learn this lesson, like, really early. And if I would have learned this lesson, like, decades ago, I would have saved myself so much time and so much energy in so many ways. But I got it. And maybe the lesson was taught to me, but I didn't get it. But I got it in December. And I totally got it. And I saw the way the people were. And it was, my energy was so low. I was so drained. And... I needed to learn my own boundaries too of how much I was giving. It's something for mm-hmm. me to learn, right? 
It's not the other people. It's what I allowed. Right. So uh, I'm aware of that. So, so after December and I, I, I went home to my condo in New York to rest, then I booked this huge voiceover job and it's not out yet. It's coming out later this year. And I booked this big voiceover job. So, so then I flew to LA the last week of, um, December and I, I did the job. I was, I was in LA with my sister for Christmas and New Year's. I go back to New York. And during that time, I decided that I'm retiring. I'm, I'm retiring from all the goals and expectations I had in every which way. And the only thing I was going to focus on, because I focused on my career for the last 20 years, the number one thing I'm going to focus on now is my health. I'm going to focus on my health and I'm going to focus on hopefully producing a family of my own, right? Like mm-hmm. this is number one, not success, not money, not the next job, not the that thing, right? And and so um, I was so um, energetically exhausted, but I saw the way people were. And it just gave me this disgusting sense of certain people. And so, um, and my energy was so low. I've been having to take, like, I went, I literally, I went and got um, blood work in January and my B12 was low. And then they had me do blood work in April and my B12 was low again. She's like, just sleep. So I've been spending this year really zoomed out and really just taking care of my my personal health mm-hmm. um, and making that my job. So my job has been taking care of my health. Um, and then, you know, you know, focus on, like I said, having a family of my own. And um, yeah, I've been, you know, for the last uh, four weeks, just once a week doing B12 shots. So um, I think I'll, I'll go for a follow-up. I think my B12 should be much better now, um, but it's really important to take care of our, our bodies, you know, cause we have these goals and these expectations of what we want. And, um, we have to check in what is obtainable, what's sustainable, uh, especially with pivoting into the world. So to check in with one's blueprint of who, we, who we are now, what we want, what we wanted when we were, you know, little Lowell, like when you were, you know, that age and, and, and how far you've come, because, we don't really realize that, oh, maybe you've already filled that blueprint, right? And mm-hmm. um, and we can, you know, pivot and, and shift along the way. So I retired um, on a psychological level from all of those things. And a lot of, you know, our healing is inside of the body um, and, you know, trauma and, and healing and people... Um, unless they're seeking it, most people, a lot of people aren't talking about the importance of uh, really sleeping and really resting and and taking care of that part. Um, It really shifts the dynamics of how we show up in the world, right? So that's why exercise is really important. You mentioned you're married. So, you know, having little ones and having, um, you know, a spouse, I think that probably puts some hopefully healthy patterns into that balance. Um, but for me and a lot of people who are just straight up entrepreneurs with 
uh, no nesting responsibilities could be how I was, right? Just very bulldozing. Um, And lastly, on this topic for now, um, in 2020, when the pandemic happened, I started being on all these podcasts and I started, um, I started, you know, it's like you sow your seeds and you reap what you sow by all Mm -hmm. these questions. When I was on all these podcasts with all these fellow podcasters from all around the world, and they were talking and asking all these questions, it was so beautiful to witness and to experience the fruits of my labor that I never really acknowledged because I was just on the track so fast just to keep obtaining more and more and more and more. So since the pandemic happened till now and even more now, being able to just sit in what I've done, not to, you know, like, you know, stare at a poster, like nonstop about it, like egotistical, but to acknowledge me and myself uh, of being human of who I am at some point of what I've done thus far. Right. Um, who's going to do it for you? No one's going to yeah. do it for you. You you need to do it for yourself. Uh, but we're taught in a lot of unhealthy ways not to. Right. Uh, I've always not always, but most of the time gifted myself those gifts, short term gifts, ice cream or a book or a trip or something, you know, like a, a jewelry or something to acknowledge like uh, little successes on, on the way, short-term goals. Um, but this, what I'm sharing with you is a big dynamic shift in my life because I actually have a two, the other two-part thing here um, that I'll mention and I'll, I'll stop speaking. But the other part is, I want to say in a nutshell, I, I grew up and spent my whole life purposely not identifying with certain labels and names and things like, of course, I'm Greek and I have my brush strokes of Greek, but I didn't take Greek to the level where some people take it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a runner, always been a runner. And but I didn't want to be identified as any one thing. I rebelled against it. And so now I've been sitting and reflecting of who am I and I just put the Greek American flag on my Instagram and I've been exercising and I'm now vocalizing about the strike. I was never doing those things before because Mm -hmm. now I didn't want to be identified as any one thing, but, but now I'm liking and seeing and taking it slow. The power of now that Socrates know thyself. Now that I've experienced life thus far, all of these years, I know myself, I've rested. So now that I've completely rested in a way, I'm starting to build, I'm I'm operating at a different axle and I'm allowing myself to bring on the armor or, you know, the, the patches of Greek. I'm an athlete, I'm a runner, I'm, I'm, I'm an actor, I'm in the union. And, um, so I'm building now and identifying of who am I and allowing others to see my identity um, of who I am because I have finally figured it out. And mm-hmm. it's it's really exciting. Yeah, I've, I had a friend who went through a similar thing where he, he went like deep into like reading about Augustus, I think it was like the it's like a Christian guy and at the end of it he came to a similar conclusion where it's like i want to i want to be married i want to have a family like i i've done the career stuff and i'm not going to stop doing the career stuff but like i know what my priorities are and i think it was like over like eight months he went from like not having those type of things in his life to like having a wife and you know his whole life changed so it's interesting to see 
how often when you know what you like even the direction you want to go in how things just kind of like work it's like i feel like life kind of works to help you when you know what you want for yourself and so i don't know um new york has a lot of uh, eligible uh, people for uh, uh marriages i i bet uh i know a couple people in new, new jersey but they're probably i don't know they're uh they're kooky people but so i wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the year you're already like meeting really nice people and like have um a family and a different like there's also multiple different uh different uh definitions of family i think you mean like kids and stuff but there's also like friends and stuff that could be around you um and like surround yourself with people that are more supportive because it sounds like the event in december there's a, a a piece of advice i heard which is when you talk to someone and you walk away from them did did, did you did you have more energy or less energy and so um, when you are around people that are just constantly taking energy from you and you're just like depleted 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 it's like you're in the wrong spot because like like the, you're left empty by the end of the day and so it sounds like you're on the journey to find people that you walk away from and you, you feel great they make you feel heard seen and appreciated and um well i do uh, oh sorry go ahead yeah no go ahead uh, i was gonna say uh, i do have i'm i'm you know in southampton right now and i do have those people around me um mm -hmm. my whole entire life i've had those people i'm just giving making sure to you know you sow seeds so I'm giving yeah. the good people with who fill me up more attention than before yeah. when I was giving everyone my attention. So yeah, being yeah. more intentional and selective, um, and and knowing it and feeling it. So before I was naive to it and I didn't I didn't realize it. Now I can show up and and feel it and see yeah. it a lot quicker. And like you said, be able to walk away. Yeah, people appreciate you differently when you appreciate yourself. You know, I've noted a couple of my friends. They started in certain relationships with their family or friends where they were just kind of the person that was kind of like the third wheel. Like people just expected them to be there, expected to do X, Y, and Z, but they never got the thank you or appreciation that they deserved. And I was like, well, you know, maybe like, I'll just like gently, like, you know, try and uh, get them to be where you're at right now. And literally over the course of a couple of years, like their whole friend groups changed where now it's, oh, what would you like to do this weekend? Or that they're much more pivotal to those things. And sometimes it was like moving away from certain friends and closer to other ones, but it was just like, it seems like when they stood up and realized what they wanted and how they valued themselves, like really just changes how everyone else views you, which is kind of, I, I want, I have like this hypothesis is like, um, like this idea where it's like, it's kind of sad that you have to value yourself for other people to treat you well, like in that way. Like I, I wish like people could just treat their, like everyone's like, we're all one species, like just treat people with respect like we were talking about earlier. But, um, a, a very, like the, a, just like a key way for anyone listening in, if you're getting this type of feeling from the people around you, um, take time to reflect like uh, Katie's been talking about, because it's, it's a big change. You know, it's like, do you want to go out and drink this weekend? It's like, no, well, what do you want to do? Suggest that as an alternative, like just like little things, but it adds up really big, like 1% different every day. And you're like, what, three times different by the end of the year. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And, and like you said, you just said a, a simple one that, you know, that's just common. But like, it's just like the quality of one's choice. So you said you mentioned like, oh, do you want to go out and drink? Like, I'm not a big drinker at all. Like, maybe I'll have a, a red wine or something or, you know, I'm not like a big drinker. So like, I would be like, you know, going to do yoga or going to the mm -hmm. beach or riding bikes or, you know, where where are we going? Right. I'm not yeah. I mean, especially since the pandemic. I mean, like, I don't I'm not going to clubs, you know, it's like we're. Mm -hmm where are you going to meet people? Like how, how are we spending our time? Cause you know, Gary V I always bring him up. I love Gary V. Um, mm -hmm. he, you know, at a world's event in 2018, he said, 
we, you know, well, Dr. Joe Dispenza says we have 60 to 70,000 thoughts per day. 90% of those thoughts are the same thoughts and most of them are negative. So we're firing mm-hmm. and wiring, firing and wiring like a, like a track. I'm firing and unwiring, I'm firing and unwiring. And uh, Gary V says we can focus on one thing at a time, one thing at a time. So what are we focusing on right now? We can only focus on one thing at a time. And I think we talked about that earlier too, about like focusing on one thing. And I was saying that, you know, multitasking, you have that gratification, the dopamine that we're getting things accomplished, but actually it's taking those tasks longer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah, I always ask people for books. I think this is a great time to ask, you know, what are some of the things that you were, you mentioned some of them as we were going, but for people who are creative, people who are having similar problems in their lives, it sounds like uh, Tony Robbins is someone, the blueprint. I haven't read the book, so I assume that's a book title, but what are some uh, other books or resources you recommend people to get where you are right now? Yeah. Or just in general. Um, yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I just read uh, Free to Focus by Michael Hyatt, which is a, a mm-hmm. great book. Um, there's a book by uh, Bethany Webster, um, uh, Discovering the um, Inner Mother. Like, uh, it's, it's an amazing book. I definitely would, would say that one. Um, you know, I have, I think, uh, over 150 episodes on my podcast. She's all over the place. So I have amazing um, guests on the show, scientists and doctors. And uh, we talk about books all the time. So I would definitely, you know, tune into some of those episodes. It's streaming everywhere. Uh, she's all over the place podcast. So those are some great books. Uh, Caroline Mice, I think I did an episode like just on my book recommendations, but Caroline mm. Mice, M-Y-S-S, she's a mystic intuitive. She's amazing. And on Libby, L-I-B-B-Y, you can download it. Um, and it's through your public library. You can download up to 30 audiobooks per month for free. So um, depending on the topic, you know, um, yeah, there's there's so many, so many great books. The one I'm reading yeah. right now, it's um, it's right here. I just started reading it, but it's, it's, it's a, the, I think number two book backed by science, uh, the body keeps the score. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the next one I'm reading, oh my God, the creative act, a way of being um, by Rick Rubin, the creative act. I would definitely get that immediately. Yeah, I keep I keep hearing Rick Rubin pop up in the recommendation queue for people who are on the show. So I'm definitely going to grab that for this weekend. Um, and I have checked out your show, and I, I recommend anyone check it out. So you have some cool people that come on. It's so cool. Like they have like there's I really like learning from people from different aspects of life, and uh, you, you've had people from all over. It's a, it's a lot of fun. I'll have it in the show notes for everyone to check out. Um, so that's if so for all the new comedy special, your podcast, your work. Is there um. You have a website, but like, is there like, is there one area to just keep up to date with what you're working on? Yeah. So, um, Chinakas, C-H-O-N-A-C-A-S is my, um, website. And then, um, my Instagram, my threads, my TikTok, um, is Chinakas, my last name. Um, and then, uh, I do have a YouTube, Katie Chinakas. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I made the, 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 um, handle Katie Chinakas comedy. Um, it's a, it's a lot of different social media platforms. I, I tend to, um, go to Instagram mm. the most, um, it's cause it's the most fun for me, Twitter or, uh, TikTok, um, as a creative, you know, with all the different filters and options, you can be silly and goofy as a filmmaker, like, uh, TikTok's pretty cool. 
Um, but I just, I find myself always on Instagram. Um, but yeah, culture kids is not released yet. Uh, we shot it last October, November it's situational comedy. It's, um, half written by AI half improv. And, um, I was going to put it in the, the film festivals and then there was like the, the buzz about the writer strike. And so I didn't, and then there was a writer strike and it's a nine minute short and a financial mm. producer like advised me, Oh, just to, like release it on all the platforms. Um, but then I was going to maybe get a distribution deal and they were switching out people, the executives in the, in the office. And, um, and then, and then it would have been good for, um, MTV. I was, it was MTV that I was, um, it was potentially going to be on MTV. It'd be a great show, but it's good for old MTV, not new MTV, I was told. So now I'm back at square one. And so mm -hmm. I decided, um, because I covered the Tribeca Film Festival recently and uh, my friend Sam Pressman had the first AI um, short film at Tribeca. And I'm like, oh, like he has the first AI short film. I'm like, my 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 comedy project's AI. And I'm, I guess it's like a thing. Maybe they have a category. So I decided I'm going to, because um, I was going to, what I said, like release it and then mm -hmm. maybe have a distribution deal just help with marketing and distribution. Um, so I'm going to put it in the film festival. So I'm going to raise funds and I'm going to put it in the film festivals. Um, and, and that's what I'm going to do. And I think it, it needs to go there, uh, instead mm -hmm. of me just like releasing it, um, as a solo artist and then having the, the actors participate. But, um, you know, I, I wish it could have been out and people could have seen it by now. Mm -hmm. Um, I did premiere at our Basel, um, but they're, yeah. So that's where I am with it. <laughs> there is yeah. a little, a little trailer snippet pinned to, my Twitter, which is Katie Chinakis, but um, yeah, I really I'm just sitting on it. Sometimes, like it, we when we we were talking earlier, that you do things in rotation. So it's like I did it, and I'm just kind of sitting on it right now. So, but it takes time, and look what's happening with the writer strike and Screen Actors Guild. Because I'm even thinking, like, if I put it out, it just seems insensitive. If I'm putting mm -hmm. it out, you know, it's like kind of a slap in the face because it's like it is written half by AI. I just feel like it's not appropriate. So I think it's good to put it in the film festival circuit. Yeah, is there a, I haven't been to a film, film festival. If I were to go to one, uh, is there one that's like particularly fun and educational? Or I don't know how to exp like uh, break down what would be the criterion for a good film festival. So it's You're in Chicago, just, right? Yeah. I'll oh, go yeah. anywhere, though. I'm boring. Just yeah, but you can just like Google your local area. Okay. Yeah, okay. I don't know if there was like, you know, it's like there's places that are, they, they say they're good, but then, you know, you, you ask someone who's been there and it's like, oh, this is scary. Don't go there. No, so. Tribeca's a great one. Tribeca's okay. great. Tribeca's great. Uh, Toronto's great. Mm. Oh, you want to know the one you want to go to? Sundance. It's in January in Utah. Mm. Sundance. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it goes on for like two weeks. So you want to go like the first part. Okay. First part. Yeah. I don't yeah. know why I'm wearing the sound. It's recorded. The already then. Um, I was like, I was taking a note. I was like, this is recorded. Why am I writing this down? <laughs> I do it all the time. It's right? okay. I, no, yeah, I write. People I take do it notes. all the time. Like Naval yeah, does it. Doctor Huberman, yeah. Rich Roll. They all mm -hmm. like take notes. They like Google, look up things while they're on the podcast together. I did it. Yeah. Because you want to fact check and have things like be accurate. Yeah, it's fun. Know? All right. Well, uh, then uh, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. For everyone oh. who's listening, I hope um uh you leave a comment. Let us know what you think. Uh, so far, whenever I comment, well, I don't drink or like, talk about not drinking as much. There's one person who's like, you don't drink? What the heck? 
It's like, I don't know why people are so defensive of alcohol, but uh, I guarantee we'll have at least one comment on that. Uh, but thank you so much for coming on today. Okay, thank you so much for having me.